be in Luke chapter number 15, Luke chapter number 15 this morning. Luke chapter number 15, uh, read a couple of familiar parables of Christ here and uh, for, for a text. and won't read the whole chapter. We'll reference what happens past these, but uh, I just want to focus in on these, these two parables here this morning. Luke chapter number 15. And we'll start in verse number 1 and we'll read on through verse number 10. So Luke 15, verse 1, Then drew near unto him, that's talking about Christ, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after uh, that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance." Verse number 8, Either that woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. I'll start out by saying that this this is not the message I intended to preach this morning. Uh, towards the end of the week, and I'm usually thinking about what I'm going to preach most of the week, and uh, around Thursday I got an idea. I wanted to preach on why I'm excited about Faith Baptist Church. It sounded a lot like Dad's Sunday school lesson a little bit there. Uh, but Actually, I had the door shut this morning, and I kept hearing my name. I had to go crack it, uh, just to eavesdrop a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but on Thursday, on Friday, I was like, okay. Now, if you walked in here sometimes when I'm studying, you'd think I'm crazy. I'll sometimes, I'll pace up and down out here. I'll try to wear the carpet out, pacing up and down, and, and I'll kind of preach a sermon to myself. I did that, and... It just wasn't sort of coming together just a little bit. I thought I kind of figured it out. I didn't have anything on paper yet. and But well, I'll get it down after men's breakfast. Saturday, sat down. I tried multiple times. I'd get a few sentences. I'd erase it. I'd start over. It just, it just wasn't working. And like I say, I've been doing this for a while. And, and sometimes sermons, ideas, just they just don't work. It's hard to explain. Sermons are strange things. I think every preacher has some sort of personal experience uh, with that. It's kind of different. It's personal with that. Uh, Some people can map out a whole year's worth of sermons. I'm good just to figure out what I'm doing next Sunday. Uh, Some people can get up and have a clue what they're going to say. I I like to write it out the best I can. Uh, You know, just to each their own. There's no right or wrong way to do it. For me, like I say, usually I, I don't get a paper, uh, a sermon down on paper until Saturday, uh, Friday usually at the earliest. But 
as I say, creating a sermon is a strange mixture. It's a spiritual endeavor. It's academic. It's emotional. There's an artistic element. There's a lot that goes into it. It's hard to explain unless you've ever done it. Uh, like I say, sometimes this doesn't work. This is what happened. So I had to go back, start back on square one, thinking and praying. In fact, I gave up last night and went home. And I, I said, this ain't working. I got to go home, clear my head. And uh, finally, there's a couple of stories that have been going through my mind. These two parables have been going through my mind for the past few weeks. And as I was just kind of pondering about things, it's like God said, that that's, that's, that's what you need to speak on this morning. I felt like I thought about the stories of the, the, the Greek uh, scientist, Ar, scientist Archimedes, who supposedly the story is, is probably not true, that he discovered that uh, he jumped in the bathtub and he figured out that water displacement, you put something in the water and the, the volume displacement, and he sp- supposedly yelled, Eureka, Eureka, and ran through the streets of the city all excited, and there's a think about those in the bathtub you ran through the city and there's something reading into that there but um anyway i thought about doing that like eureka i've got it finally got my sermon here i i hope i hope that following the lord's leading on this is the right call both these parables that we read here this morning luke chapter 15 and the one that follows it I, i'm just going to mention and reference uh, the, the the story of the prodigal son they're built on a common theme it's a counter to the complaint that you see in the first couple of verses of the chapter where uh, Christ uh, is in his ministry. Who is it that's flocking to him? Well, it's what, what are called publicans. These are the people who are working for the, the, the Jewish people working for the Romans. They're social outcasts. They're turncoats. They're Benedict Arnolds. They, they don't like these people. And then sinners, these are the people who aren't going to church, going to synagogue. They're not living the way they should. and But these are the people that are, are flocking to Christ. And back over in the corner, you've got the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're complaining. And you know, this man, he, he receiveth sinners. Ugh. You know, they get their, straighten their little robes and puff their chest out a little bit. And uh, you can just feel the pride oozing out of their words. And, uh, you know, they, they, well, if he was really a holy man of God, he, would, he wouldn't hang out with these people. Well, the Pharisees, they tried to find their righteousness in keeping the law, the, all the commandments of the Old Testament to the nth degree, just as far and as extreme as you can imagine. The scribes, these were the, the uh, sometimes they're called lawyers, but these were the masters of knowing those laws and commandments uh, they tried to find their righteousness in that knowledge and an understanding, but both couldn't see the forest for the trees. They complained that Christ spent time with sinners and not them. They're being selfish. They're being prideful. And Christ, to teach them a lesson, and, and the people that are seeing this and hearing this, he tells three stories. And I love it when Christ tells stories. He could just flat just tell us the truth, uh, but he, he chooses to tell a story. And when he does that, it just makes it so much more vivid. It makes it so much more real 
to us. We can close our eyes and we can see the shepherd and his sheep. We can see the woman seeking a lost coin. We can close our eyes and see a prodigal son walking down the road coming back home. It makes these truths so real, so personal. The truth is not just stated, it's magnified, it's multiplied. The first story is about a shepherd. He had a hundred sheep in his care. He counts one day, and I can just kind of see him. He's sitting up there on the hill, and the sheep are all kind of grazing there. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, he counts. And probably like me, he has to start over three or four times. You know, you get up about 30, and you lose track. And But the way those things are moving, you know, you got to start over, you know, because they, they wiggle around, they move. And Anyway, he, he counts, and he gets up to 99. And he says, okay, well, they're supposed to be 100. I can see him as he recounts, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, you know, 78, 78, 79, uh, 98, 99. There's 99. There's one missing. Now, there's a certain part of me wants to look at it and say, that's a pretty good ratio. 99%? That's not bad. Uh, my, my kids would thrill to get a 99% on the test. That'd be wonderful. Uh, if you kept 99% of your paycheck, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Uh, dream on. But if, 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 if you were in business and you kept 99% of your customers, you, you would be making money. You'd be doing good. But the shepherd didn't look at it and say 99% is good enough. No, he was worried about the one. He leaves the 99 to go and find the one sheep that was lost. By the way, that's the right thing to do. All the people who are hearing this story, they're all nodding their heads going, that's exactly right. If I had sheep and I was missing one, I would go find the lost one. That they all understood what Christ isn't making up some kind of story. That they all are nodding their heads, saying, "Yep, uh huh, I understand that. I've been there. I've done that. I would go find that lost one." The second story, it's about a lady who had ten coins. I geeked out over coins. I always do. These are uh, in Greek. These are called drachma, and uh, they weigh, I looked it up, they weigh about 4.37 grams of silver. And that's about $3.19 worth of silver if you do the conversions on that, if I did it right. And uh, just so to give you an idea, uh, now it's hard to capture what that's worth in the ancient world. It's actually probably much more than $3 in our economy. But just to give you an idea of the value here, it's just a, it's a little little bitty coin. Uh, actually, it's smaller than if you ever have a silver uh, quarter. There, it's smaller than that. Now, there's also, it's not just she loses a coin. We lose money all the time. You walk, walk down a, a parking lot and you'll look down, there's a penny. And I'm about to the point, I think it's not worth it to bend down and pick up a penny. I think I'm doing more wear and tear than one cent, uh, bending down and picking up a penny at this point. But uh, anyway... It's not just that there's a coin that's lost. There is a significance, I think, to these ten coins. Uh, And and I don't think it's because it's a collector's set. And I've done some study on this, and the best explanation that I have ever found on this is that this is some sort of like a bridal dowry that she had. And that this set of ten coins, is, is it's a very personal thing to her. And it's, it's for her will. It's kind of like her savings account in some ways. But it's something like a dowry 
if you will. So losing, this one, just losing a few dollars. I, I lose money and don't even think about it, you know. Um, just no, no big deal. Okay, I'll survive. Uh, but it's not just she lost a few dollars. Um, she loses one coin. She still had 90%. Like I say, most kids, 90% on a test. Micah, you would like 90% on a test. You, yep, exactly. That would be, hey, I aced that thing. I got 90%. This is awesome. 90% of your paycheck, if you kept 90% of your paycheck, you'd be thrilled. If you kept 90% of your customers, if you were in business, you'd be thrilled. Wonderful. But she saw it differently. She searches the house. She looks in every nook and cranny. She, uh, dirt floor, she's sweeping to see, did it get covered up in dust? Is it hiding under there? She's looking everywhere for this little coin. Like I say, imagine about the size of a nickel. Uh, is about uh, kind of about what size these things are. She's searching everywhere trying to find this one lost coin. And she finds it. And she celebrates. She calls her friends. They, they celebrate. She found. You know, you don't call up people and say, Hey, I still got 99 of my cows. But you'll tell people, Hey, I had a cow get out. I had to search high and low. And I finally found it down in the creek. That's the story you tell. You tell the story about the one you had to go and find. The third story about the prodigal son, we didn't get read, read into that. Uh, I know that's uh, hopefully familiar to everyone. It gets a little bit more pointed. It builds on these themes of the lost and the found, but it really ties it in. That's where he really lays his knockout blow on the, on the Pharisees uh, with, the, the, with that and the elder brother, and, and we're not going to get into that. I've spoken on that before. But I just want to kind of look on, on the theme of these first two uh, parables that Christ gave. Uh, and, and I want to speak on the subject of after the lost. You see, we as Christians, we are tasked with a sacred duty. You can summarize it in the words of the Great Commission, Great Commission Matthew 28, you can actually summarize that in basically two words. It's make disciples. It's to reach people with the gospel. It's to baptize them, get them into the church, and then it's to teach and to train them so the work and the church and the doctrine and the truth goes marching on. That's our task. And in that, I think we see the elements of it in these parables First off, I want to talk about, really, as, as you're reading these, kind of the focus is the lost. I want to talk about the lost. By the way, I, I think if there's anything, sometimes we tell stories we exaggerate for effect. Somebody having a hundred sheep probably wasn't that. Now, if I said they had a million sheep, that probably nobody has a million sheep, you know. But having a hundred sheep, they, they could probably understand that. But the one thing I think that is exaggerated in these stories is the kept to lost. If, if you were to say that all those people were saved and the people who are lost, 90% uh, of people, 99% of people being saved, I, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's right. If you were to reverse that, I think it would probably be closer to the truth, uh, it, it just in my opinion. But, but here are the lost. They're that hundredth sheep that went astray. They're the one coin 
that was lost and could not be found. These are those who are without Christ. They're far from home like the prodigal shepherd. They have no peace. They have no comfort. They're out. Uh, as I was uh, reading this, I thought of the, 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 the old gospel song, and I, had to, I actually had to print it out. I, I, I thought it would be in one of our hymn books, and it's not. Uh, but there's an old song, a uh, wonderful story behind it. Uh, Ira Sankey wrote the music to it with the uh, D.L. Moody revivals uh, back in the late 1800s. But it's called The 90 and 9, and it tells the story about those sheep. And uh, it says, There were 99 that safely lay in the shelter of the fold, but one was out on the hills away, far off from the gates of gold, away on the mountains wild and bare, away from the tender shepherd's care. I'd love to watch. I love that old song. But that's the lost, out, lost, hopeless, wandering, stumbling through life. Just like uh, I, I'm amazed at people who are blind, how they can navigate. Uh, growing up, uh, there was a girl a few years uh, older than me uh, named Lisa that was blind. And, and, you know, she could, in school, she knew her way around. She could operate. That you can kind of learn as a blind person, you know, where things are and, 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 and maneuver around. And people get around cities. It's amazing to me. But if you were to take a blind person and go drop them in the middle of Taiwan, go drop them in the middle of Cairo, Egypt, go drop them in the middle of, uh, you know, Siberia, somewhere they don't even know, completely foreign, they, they would have a hard time trying to find their way. There's no familiarity. There's no direction. There's, no fami- there's no, nothing for them to, to gain a sense of, of where they're at. That's a, such a wonderful description of where people are at that don't know Christ. They don't know where to turn. They don't know where to look. They're wondering. They're stumbling. They don't know. They have no hope. And they're out there, and they need someone to find them. And that's my second point. You have the lost, but I love this, is that the lost don't stay lost in these stories. I love that. This isn't a sad story. I don't like sad stories. I can't hardly watch. I like old movies and stuff, but the movies where the guy doesn't get the girl at the end, that's just criminal, okay? They shouldn't make movies like that. Uh, just they, they ought to be happy ending and the cowboy rides away in the sunset and everything's wonderful. That's the way a movie is supposed to end. Uh, you know, the dog's not supposed to die and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. These stories don't end that way, and I love it because the lost become the found. The lost become the found. The lost don't have to stay lost. It's not hopeless. You look at the situations in our world today, it's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. You look at any person's life and say, that's a hopeless case. It's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. God, God has fried bigger fish than anything that's out there today, okay? He's won bigger sinners than anybody you will come across today. There's no one beyond the hope of God's redemption. There's no one beyond the reach of the gospel. There is hope. I don't care who they are. I don't care where you meet them. There is hope for every individual through Christ. So we have the lost. They can become the found. And the third thing I want to see is the seeker. 
in each of these stories, there's someone that goes out to find that which was lost. In this first story, there's the shepherd who lost one of his sheep. He goes out to find it. In the second story, there's a lady with her coins. She sweeps and she looks to find this. Now, in recent decades, when you get into church philosophy and things, you used to hear a lot about seekers. Every time I hear seekers, I think missiles. But anyway, um, but you used to hear a lot about seekers. And there was this idea that there's people out there that want the truth. They're trying to find the truth. I'll be honest with you, I, I don't see that in Scripture. Now, there are people who have seen a glimpse of the truth and they're looking for I, I get that. But the state of humankind, the state of the lost without Christ, Romans 3.11, says there's none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. We're not just bumbling around till we stumble across and find God. In fact, I think the lost don't even necessarily know they're lost. They need the light to know that they're lost. They need someone to find them. The seeker, the seeker in these stories is Christ. The seeker in these stories is Christ. That is his role. Matthew 18, 11 says that Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to make the righteous more righteous. He didn't come to make the found more found. He came because there's sinners out there that needed hope. There was a price that needed to be paid. There were those that needed redeemed. And he came for us. He came for us. And you look around, walk out, look at the throngs, the multitudes, and there's more and more people every day in Wise County. You can see them coming in. He came for them. Go Pull up on your computer. Pull up a whole map of the world. Look at that world. Imagine the billions of people all across that. He came for them. He came for them. He came to seek and to save. That's the role of Christ. By the way, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go a step further. I, I think if you want to get into it, the whole trinity is involved in this. I think it's the heart of the Father for the lost to be found. That's why he sent his only son, John three sixteen. The Spirit... The Holy Spirit, he convicts, he draws men. God is in the saving business. God is in the seeking business. Missions back there, that's the heartbeat of God. To seek and to save that which was lost. To reach our community, to reach our world. There is nothing God cares about more than finding that lost sheep, than finding that lost coin, than finding that lost soul and bringing them home. That is the heartbeat of God. He is the seeker. The fourth thing I want us to see here is the kept, is the kept. Honestly, in the layout and context of these stories the focus is sort of on the kept christ was trying to teach a lesson to the pharisees and the scribes and they were essentially the kept they were they were jewish people they were keeping the law they knew who god was they, they were mixed up a little bit but in this they're kind of aligned to the people who had the truth they, god already had a hold to them in a sense 
but they were misguided. They were complaining that Christ was going after the lost and not focusing. It's the 99 sheep saying, hey, where's the shepherd going? Why, why didn't he come over here? We didn't wander off. Why didn't he come over here and pet me a little bit? Why didn't he come over here and take care of me instead of going after old Fred over there that wandered off again? Yeah. They had to focus not on themselves, but on the needs around them. They had to take their eyes off of themselves and look at the great need. To the church today, to our church, to the Christians around the world, we have to be careful because we have a human tendency, and every human has a tendency. We, we like to focus in on ourselves. And, and uh, By the way, the fastest way to kill a church is to focus on itself. Uh, Tom Rainer's little book, I love that little book, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. That's pretty much the number one thing. All your ministries, all your focus becomes internal, and the church will die. A church is not meant to only focus on the internal. You have to look outside. You have to reach the world. You have to reach the community. You have to reach the lost. You have to look beyond your walls. You have to look at the fields around us. So many multitudes of people in our own backyard that need the gospel. Say, well, there's a church on every corner. Yeah, and there's not enough. We're still not reaching everybody. That place can reach somebody. This one can reach somebody. Fantastic. But do you realize we're a minority in churches here this morning in Decatur, Texas? And we're Bible Belt, pretty civilized place, we would think. But there's still a lot of work to do. Dallas-Fort Worth, you think, boy, that's a pretty good place. There's all kinds of long history, great churches, great ministries, a lot of great things. We're not keeping up. Look at the fields. we got a lot of work to do. Look at the needs around us. Look at the needs we have. Look at the people who are lost. Look at the burdens they're carrying. Look at the, the broken hearts that they have. There's so many people that are out there, and and, and here's the sad thing. I don't even think they know necessarily what the problem is. It's kind of like if you ever had somebody walk up to you, and I hate it when somebody does this to me, but they come up to you and say, you feeling okay? Like, well, I was. (laughs) Uh, And then as soon as they tell you that, it's like it's all downhill because they shine the light on it. And it's not just that, that power of suggestion. It's because, you know what, I was just going along. I hadn't thought about it. I really don't feel good. I don't know how many times I didn't know I was sick. I was just going right along and, uh, you know, just thought everything was wonderful. Listen, there's a lot of folks out there. I don't even think they know the burdens they're carrying. They don't even know the heartaches. They just think this is part of life. This is normal. It doesn't have to be. You know, you can have joy and you can have peace. You know, you can have that life more abundant. You can have that through Christ. Look at the ones that are out there entangled and choked by the chains of sin. Listen, we look out at this world today. It's, it's sad. It's scary. And you can look at it and say, oh, this is awful. You can get mad. I'm going to tell you something. We need to look at it and have pity. Look at these people who are ensnared by the lies of the devil ensnared by drugs, alcohol, ensnared by pornography, ensnared by all the evils of this world. Someone needs to have pity on them. Someone needs to help them. 
will we be satisfied with us four and no more? Will we focus on ourselves and say, <laughs> we got 99, that's good enough, isn't it? Or are we going to keep searching for number 100? By the way, when you find a hundred, keep looking. There's a hundred one, there's a hundred two. You keep looking out there. Will we stop our ears to the cries for help? If you're like me and you're, you're watching TV and the, the commercial comes on about the dogs and the poor dogs with the sad music, first thing I do, I'm changing the channel. I don't know about you, but that's the way I operate. I don't, I don't need to see that. That makes me sad. Uh, all, the, all the poor animals. And I'm not saying there's not a need for all that. I understand there, there's a great need uh, the, the, you know, for that. That pales in comparison for the needs of eternity for people, though. Okay, folks, keep that in perspective. But so many times we go through life and we, we put on blinders. Like they used to do the mules when they were plowing. Y'all are we got an old-time audience. Y'all get that. You gotta put the blinders. We put blinders on. Say, I'm not gonna look over here to the left, to the right. I don't want to see the people who are hurting. I don't want to see the people that are in need. I don't, I, I just want to focus on my little bunch right here. I don't want to say across the street over there. There's somebody that needs Jesus. There's somebody over there that needs a help. They they they've got a burden they're carrying. They need somebody to pray for them. This person over here, they need somebody to encourage them. This person over here, they need, they need just a group of people to come over and help them. Are we going to just blind ourselves to the great need? What will we do as the kept? Wrapping this up, and I know I've already kind of been addressing this, but to the people who are the 99, to the people who are the nine, the people who are there, who are in the grasp of the Savior. They're in the fold. They're safe. They're secure. You gotta remember, don't 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 start thinking too much of ourselves. Once we were that hundredth sheep, once we were that tenth coin, once we were lost, once we were sinners without hope. But then Jesus came. Once we were blind Wretched, it's the words we just sang in Amazing Grace were. But now we see. Why? Because Jesus came. We were once there. Don't lose, don't lose sight of that. Do what we can to reach others the same way you were reached. You had your needs met. Help others see their needs met. And these musicians come to the lost. I don't know. In this room, I do not know. Listening on Facebook, you say, I, I'm not one of those. I don't know Christ. You know Christ is seeking you this morning. He loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved this world. He endured the agonies of the cross. He gave his life. He rose again in victory, but he paid the ultimate price for you, for me, for all men. He did that. He loves us. He, want, he is seeking. He wants the sinner to come home. He wants the lost. He wants sheep number 100. He wants coin number 10. He wants them to come in. 
He's seeking. He's doing his best to draw people in. And today, there are people out there, I believe they can hear the shepherd's call. They can hear him crying out, where are you? Come, come home, come. I'm here. Where are you? If they would just respond to the call. Say, Lord, here I am. Lord, save me. Will you deny him? He is seeking. He is searching. His heart is breaking. The heart of God is breaking for those he's trying to find. Will you deny him? Don't. Give your life, give your heart to the Savior while there's still time. What number there, Owen? 85. Number 85 in the Heavenly Highways for the invitation hymn. If you want to sing along, if you'll stand, please. We'll have a short time of invitation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, simple message here this morning. One of the greatest themes, though, in all of Scripture. Lord, there's nothing more glorious than looking at the power of the gospel, the great love that you showed to us even when we were sinners, the great price that Christ paid, that call that's still going out to this world today to come home, to answer, to, to, to respond to the shepherd who is seeking us. Lord, challenge our hearts this morning. Those who are in the fold, to, to reach the lost, to help those around us. But Lord, more importantly, to someone who doesn't know Christ, to get that settled this morning, to get that settled as soon as possible before it's too late, to know what it is to have salvation, forgiveness of sins, to be part of the family of God. Challenge our hearts with this simple message this morning, I pray in the holy name. Amen.